explain, to give reason, to give the reason of hope that's in us. And so we're going to look in the early hours for the next few weeks on the devices of Satan, the warfare of Satan, and then how we combat that. In the worship hour, the next few weeks, we're going to be looking into the book of Revelation. We're going to begin today in Revelation 1, and the main thrust I want to get through with you is uh, the letters to the churches, the second and third chapter of Revelation, the seven churches. And I really think, I'm really excited about this myself. I hope you're excited with me and we have some uh, enjoyment together as, as a people who believe these things. But the warfare of Satan and how to, how to do combat as a Christian. Combat as a Christian and combat as a secular warrior are two different things. They are. But we're going to look at this and, and hopefully together we'll learn some things. Uh, you can see in the world today, it's no secret, it's blatant, it's out there, it's bold, it's in our face. Satan believes he's winning. Satan believes he has a foothold. What the scripture says, and what I firmly believe is the Lord's going to use all of his devices against him. That's the way he works. Some years ago we had rumors, and it's been confirmed by high officials, that they were putting in camps around the country and, and coffins and body bags. And, and that sounds like that's conspiracy theory, Don. Well, I had high officials from military brass tell me there, there's a thousand of them camps around the country. And they intended them for Christians. I believe, I believe Haman's going to get his second wind. I believe that. So anyway, listen to me. We're going to look at Satan and his devices. I, I texted out last week and got some feedback, and I'm glad you're interested. Uh, what are we going to be studying? A lot. We're going to be looking at a lot of, of chapters and verses. And so if we look here as we begin, <clears throat> let's begin with a verse and ask the Lord to, to bless our time. And, and uh, I hope that you see this as an interesting and necessary study. Amen, brother. The... the strategy and the devices of Satan against the, the church, against us. I am sorely amazed how many of my friends who claim to be Christian have no idea this is even a problem, let alone trying to counteract the war and fight against it. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 22 and verse 37 Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. We're going to look at that. Pray with me this morning. Let's open with prayer. Lord, we thank you for this hour. We thank you for the faithfulness of these people to come and to study and to learn and grow. And Lord, may our efforts and our time not be in vain. May we learn these things and truly learn them in our hearts and spirits and souls and come to realization of who we are because of understanding more who you are and what you have done. And so we just thank you this morning, Lord, for being who you are. We thank you for uh, the truth that you gave us and continue to give us by your Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would teach us, again, through your Holy Spirit, teach us through your word what it is you called us to do. And so we ask you now to be with us in this hour and teach us. Calm our hearts. 
give peace to our minds, push out the cares of this life for this hour, for this morning while we meet together. And you, Lord, we pray, teach us. We believe you. We want to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been telling you, and this year is going to be a... Uh, we're heading this direction. I'm warning you now. New, new year means very little to me, but we're, there's a new direction we're heading. And I'm telling you this. I believe, and I have scripture after scripture, and I'm more um, standing on this foundation as I grow in Christ. Every person is born with a purpose, a God-given purpose, a plan, an eternal plan for their, for their life. Amen. And not only are you born with a purpose and a plan, we're given the power and authority in Christ to fulfill that plan, a commission to fulfill that plan, and then we're gifted to fill out that plan. And so this sounds harsh to the world, to the church today. It used to, it used to be a thing the church would clap. The church used to clap when that was taught. And now it goes, oh no. Oh no. But you know what success is according to the scripture? So many times success is failure because you're not doing the thing you're called to do. You can be very successful in the world and a failure before Christ. That's what the church doesn't want to hear. But that's why the church is so anemic today. I mean, there's a lot of successful people in the world who are very much a failure in the, at the foot of the cross, at the judgment seat. The question is going to be, did you do what I called you to do? Best I can understand, 95% and better than that of my Christian friends are going to say, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I thought I was supposed to get out and have a good job and feed my family and pay the bills and, you know, enjoy the grandkids. Well, you want to do that with an accelerated uh, hypersensitivity? Find the thing that you're called to do and do that. Do that. That, that, that completes the work for the kingdom. So many is. Uh, failure is success in the wrong area. From the, from the biblical standpoint, from the throne of God, from the kingdom perspective, failure is success in the wrong area. And I say that, now listen, you, before you get mad at me or shut down here, know this. If you have a gift and you're not using it, it's haunting you. It'll quit. It will stop, but it haunts you. If you're gifted, what you're gifted at, I'll say, what you're gifted at will haunt you if you choose something else. Again, I want to say this to you. My heartache, my headache, my heartache, my backache, and other areas of me that has hurt through the years as a pastor has been from two sources. Men who were called and didn't answer the call, and men who were not called and stepped to the position. Those have been the people who have ridden my back hard. And those are the men I could turn off like a, like a, like a light switch. I have, no, I have no truck with that. I have no movement with that. Both those men, types of men, are frustrated. They're frustrated. And both those men can't settle down into a congregation and find a home because they would do it better if everybody would just listen to them. Go do it. 
That's my final, that's my first and last statement to them. Well, then go do it. Don't come here and harass what we have to do it. Go do that. No one follows me because you're not called. Almost every young man, young man that I've led to Christ or been part of, I got, I got the privilege of praying with them to accept Christ. Almost every young man said, I'm called to the ministry. Because the Holy Spirit in, puts in you the desire to witness. It, it feels like a, it is a call to the ministry, by the way. It's a call to minister. Absolutely. You today that are born again here, and I, I, I have no reason to believe it's not all of you. Hope so. But, but you that are born again, your life is a ministry. Your life is a ministry. You, you don't, I'm not, I'm your pastor, maybe. Uh, I'm certainly the preacher. Maybe your pastor, I don't know. But you're certainly as minister as I am. You have a ministry just like I do. Now, I have done some things and sworn to some things and gave testimony to some things. I have a greater judgment than you do. My judgment will be harsher than yours. But you, when you come to Christ... And you know why the world doesn't know that and the church is almost that ignorant? Because we haven't taught, believed, and lived lordship. That's right. Because we haven't lived, we've lived Savior, but not lordship. We've lived Yahoo, I got, a, I got a, a fire insurance, I got a pass from hell now, but we haven't learned now I'm a bond slave to Jesus Christ and your will but not mine be done. And when you preach that today, skinny is the crowd. Listen, if, if you and I could know who Christ is, the way he's called us to and the Spirit presents it, we would gladly take on servanthood. Gladly. Lord, what, his plan is certainly better than mine. Is it hard to be successful in business? No. All you have to be is diligent and somewhat disciplined. Don't make $200 and spend three on the way home every night. That's, that's, the, that's the thing that I've seen my, uh, my constituents fall apart with. Don't get a little bit in the bank and think you're the big guy and go spend. Right. Right. The difference between uh, spending and investing is just a, a strange idea to the world today. But the thing that we need to know as Christians is this. Those ideas and those truths teach us spiritual things. You're here, you're here for a number of days. And so am I. And the Lord knows. The Lord knows. I am frankly older today than I thought I would get. Every day is a gift. And every day is a gift. I don't care if you're 22. I don't care if you're 12, but I'm 64 this month, and I, every day's a gift. I was called this week to be part of two funerals. And it will be yours, and it will be mine one of these days. And I say that just because every day's a gift. That's right. I'm reading, I'm reading a book in a, a, uh, from a pastor that I, I admire. And he says, I asked my congregation, do you believe that you're born with a purpose? Oh, yes. You know, he, he said, my crowd said yes. Unlike you all, I was like, what? Um, but he said, my crowd, and a crowd said, yes, yes. And you believe that you're, 
And I didn't, before, I read him. I read him this week. Before, I've been telling you this for months. The Lord's laying on my heart to tell you this. You are born with a purpose, with a plan. A plan from God. A plan from God. And uh, the Lord said, I'll empower you to do it. And I command you to do it. It's a, it's a direct command. And so he said that. They were, boy, they were laughing, smiling, nodding. And he said, okay, how many of you want to sold to Christ in the last year? And the place got quiet. How many have witnessed to someone that accepted the Lord in the last month? And the place got quiet. He said, how about this week? And he said he lost half his church. That's why I'm not going to ask you those questions. Because I don't want to lose you. I wouldn't bring that up if I... But is it not real? We're not here to fight the world. We're not... <laughs> folks, we, we've lost sight of this so bad in the last five years. We're not here to stand chest to chest with the world and exchange blows. That's right. Amen, brother. We are here to dominate spiritually. And the last... My estimation... The last 20, 30 years in this country, everything has turned, every facet, every area has turned into a spiritual battle. Now we stand up, but we don't war like they war. We have a different power, a different authority, and a different strength. The Lord said, Jesus said unto them, love the Lord thy God. Do you know one of the most fascinating things to me in my years with people and I've talked to a lot of people over the years a lot of people the difference in their idea of what love is well we need to we need, if we're going to be Christians and do what the Lord said and keep his commandments we need to know what he was talking about is that right? we need to know what love is to God I've heard people talk so bad to their parents, to each other as spouses to their children about people, the vulgarness, the anger, the venom, and then and then end with a little I love you tag. That is, there's nothing of that in Scripture. There's nothing of that in Scripture. Did Jesus come to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the chief priests? Did he bring it right to them and say, you're vulgar? You're destroying the truth of the Scripture? Yes, he did. Was he honest? Yes. Are we Christ? No. He could call them fools. We cannot. But we can say that's wrong. That is absolutely wrong. I'll tell you why. And we have to use the authority of Scripture. We need to stand. We, we're about standing. We're about it. But we warfare. We do our warfare different than the world does. So the Lord said, Thou shalt, you shall. It's not, it's not a question. You shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. You want to hear where someone's heart is? You don't have to ask anybody. Talk to someone for 10 minutes and you'll find out where their heart is. They'll bring up their passion, I promise you. It can be fishing, it can be guns, it can be television, it can be cars, it can be trucks, it can be money, and that's usually it. Money, they ought to see what I have, what I've acquired. It might be a craft. It might be something they're uh, good at. 
something they wish they were better at good. You talk to someone 10 minutes, man, I've run this through a thousand people over the years. You talk to someone for 10 minutes, they'll tell you where their heart is. And the Lord said, you, you're commanded by me to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy mind. It's command. That means to me that the majority of the people out there, Christian and non-Christian, both, it doesn't seem to matter much, most of the people don't love the Lord with all their heart. If you love something with all your heart, that's who you're going to talk about. Do you know how many pictures of grandchildren I've seen over the years? And not particularly pretty ones. Mine are. They're kind of weird. You know how many people, you know how many grandmothers I've seen, your grandchildren I've seen over the years? Let me tell you something about those grandmothers. That is their life. Their children, and then now their children's children, and children's children, in my estimation, are even better because I can rough them up, wind them up, and go to bed. And they can go somewhere, they can go somewhere else. Give them sugar, throw them in the air, and send them out the door. But they're, they're delightful, aren't they? Our grandchildren are delightful. They're our joy. Yeah, children, babies, children, they're all just a delight. Man, I've had people stop me mid-work and grab for their purse, their pants, something, and grab and show me a picture of some baby. Hey, what do you think of that? <laughs> and I try to think a lot. They do. But you know what I know about that woman, that man? That's where their heart is. Their heart is toward your children. They have a heart for their children. It's wonderful. But the Bible says the Lord tells us to have a heart. All of our heart we're to love God with. And with our soul. And with our soul. His soul. Soul's that emotional feeling part we have. Soul food tastes good to people who like soul food. But it's comforting. It's that part of our body that, that feels. It's it's why you can. It's why we can burn our. It's why we can. Um, what's that called when we burn our friends at the funeral? We can burn the body. It doesn't matter. The soul is gone. It's that soul that feels fire and pain and good and cold and that even the emotional part. That's the soul. We're to love God with all of our emotion, with all of our heart. And then he said this, with all of our mind, with all of our mind. What does that mean? And so this is the life of the mind that uh, the Lord directly addresses. And I tweeted out this last week, not tweet, I don't tweet, I, I uh, sent this out. I don't tweet. I don't know how. I don't even know why I said that. 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, Paul speaking to the Corinthian people, he's giving warning and giving direction, giving advice, giving instruction on this warfare that Christians have with Satan. And he said, lest Satan get an advantage of us, all the things that we're to learn about him, his personality, his, his devices, lest he should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Or we, uh, we should not be. The Bible, Paul says, now we're not ignorant of his devices. You know why we're not? We, all we have to do is go back to the third chapter of Genesis and listen to the conversation with Eve. 
He got her to deny the word of God, to doubt the word of God. It's all about that. What's his device? Get us to doubt the word of God and to deny the word of God. And you can do that by changing it, by picking and choosing. And, and, you know, I had a woman one day in my in my chair in the, at my shop, and I was talking to her, and I said something about, and she brought up her church, and she brought up her church, and I said to her, and I hadn't heard this before. I've heard it many times since, but you know, it's like first time you hear something, it's funny or renders you to think. I was talking to her about some things and about her church, and uh, I said, really? You can do that there? She goes, yeah, oh yeah, as long as I give money. But can I tell you that our church doesn't believe that for a second? We're not here to take your money if you don't want to give it. We are not here to take your money if you don't want to give it. If your heart is not, this is, I love the Lord, and I think that will be a good outreach, and he'll, they'll use it wisely. Don't give your money. Amen, brother. Do not. Matter of fact, you're guilty of, of doing that wrongly if you believe that, and do it. And um, she was talking to me, and she said, this, that, and she said, well, if I give enough money, I can do anything. And I said, okay, no, okay, back up. Why would you want to? What's wrong with your heart and your soul? and your sick little self, and she got very offended. And she goes, let me tell you what the head of the church, and if I said the name, you'd figure it out pretty quick, If I, what the head of the church teaches us in adult class. We have every right to be, if we're good standing members, paid up, we have every right to be cafeteria believers. I said, what does that mean? She said, what do you think it means? Pick and choose. I don't like that doctrine, I like that one. I don't care for that one, I like that one. And I said, the leadership tells you that if we're paid up. And if we're in good standing, we, we have that right. And she goes, it's almost taught as a responsibility. Can I say to you, this church believes none of that? We have the responsibility of learning the word of God and appropriating that to our lives. That's our responsibility. Go you to all the world and teach them. How do you teach what you don't know? How do you instruct? How do you teach what you don't know? How do you obey what you don't know? Brings up a lot of questions, doesn't it? How do we walk in this world as, as we are to walk if we can't see the path, if we don't know the way? Nehemiah, my, my life, Nehemiah, give out the word distinctly. Read the word of God distinctly and cause the people to gain the sense of it. Well, that's, that's my, that is what, when I hit that verse, changed, changed me into a whole direction in my life. You are in the same boat. I'm not saying you have to grab the verses I do, but that is the essence of ministry. Read the Word of God distinctly. Let's stick with the Word. Let's not just tell stories. Read it distinctly, word by word, distinctly, with distinction. What is it saying? Let's look at the words. Um, if you're tired of hearing that, you're going to get tired, more tired. Now, look at the words. Look up the words. Look up the words. Read it distinctly. 
Give a distinction. It's not, it's not Newsweek. It's not Time Magazine. It's not your local newspaper. It is the everlasting, powerful Word of God, inspired of the Holy Spirit, and then cause the people to gain the sense of it. Read it distinctly. Tell them what it says, and then tell them what it means. Very simple. That's your life as well as mine. Mine's a little different than yours. Most people don't get up behind the pulpit every Sunday. But your life is a ministry. People are watching, and they know one thing, if you believe what you're saying. First thing they know is if you know what you're talking about. Second, if you believe it. That's right. You know how they know? Because first of all, you know it because you speak with confidence. And second, because you do what you're talking about. Your, your, your actions back up your mouth. That's true. Do you love the Lord this morning? Here's what <coughs> funniest thing to me, what Christians believe they believe about being grateful. This, this country we have the last 100 years, 50 years particularly, the last 40 years, has been so easy for us to attain and acquire stuff. To be successful, whatever that means in America, has not been hard. All you had to do was actually be someone who got up and did go to work. That's right. And make a few good choices. That's right. That's it. And then you, then you have this place with all the stuff just starts building up and adding up, and you acquire stuff. Is that success? <laughs> the Lord says, can you see me and hear me through that stuff? Do you have time for me with all that stuff? Okay. Do you have time for me? You've got to take care of all your stuff. Now that makes Don a mean person. No. Makes me mean. It's true. But folks, that's just, that's just ground level Christianity. That is not even... When I went to Africa, when I went to Africa, I really believed, and I prayed all the way over there. Church prepared me the best it could. I had everything I needed to go. And I was going to go over there and shake that place up and rock them with the, with the gospel. They taught me so much. They taught me so much. But I came home, not ashamed, grateful. At first I felt like shame. I felt like, oh man. There's little kids with a piece of clothes on that just, I don't even know what it is. It's supposed to be shorts or is it, what is it? It looks like a loincloth, but it wasn't. It was other, it was just worn out. And I said to one man, what's that boy wearing? What do you call that? He said, old. <laughs> I said, what do you call what he's got on? He said, old. I said, old what? He said, I don't know. He's the fifth boy in that family and started with the oldest one and now he's doing it. And they sat on dirt and logs and rocks and gritty clay and that's where they, they don't sit on easy chairs. I want so bad. And I asked him. Woman in the village, 103 years old, and she was the matriarch and I told you about her, she was afraid of me because of what the white man had come over and done. And when I got there, she was holding a baby that was three days old. And she growled at me. And I'm used to women growling at me, but I thought, hey, you got to at least talk to me, don't you? And she growled at me, and they said, that's so-and-so. She's the whole matriarch of the tribe. She actually has more power here and more authority than the chief. Really? They honor her that much. 103. The people, quote unquote, missionaries have gone over there, white men, missionaries, and they look around and they see there's diamonds on the, laying on the ground, and they see there's places, and they say, for this much money, and it's, it, to them it's, it's, a, it's a treasure, 
and they brought bulldozers in and dug holes and stripped the ground and just left them. So now they're living in a Swiss cheese. And I said, I didn't come to take anything, I came to give. And she frowned at me and I said, well, I don't blame her. But the day I left, she hugged me and said she loved me. I asked, could my church send her, we'll drop it by a helicopter, could my church send her a recliner? <laughs> and they said no. She wouldn't take it and it would set her apart from other people and it would end her authority. I said, you know what, she was laying on one of those things that looks like a window roll. It's a mat that you roll up. It was a, it was a mat that you roll up and she'd roll up, she'd lay it down. <clears throat> I, went the, I went in there and she said, that was over in the corner, that little mat. It was a window shade, I'm telling you. And it was over and they said, yeah, she gets the luxury. We have to lay on the ground. They taught me something while I was over there. They are grateful people. We are not. We say so. When our mouth is, when we swallow the chips, we say so. Between the chips and the gulping of the Coke, we say we're grateful. Man, they live it. When I was over there preaching the gospel, I preached to a pretty big crowd the day I was there to preach. And they sat there and they could not quit smiling. Now smirking is different, folks. Um, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were just glad. My daughter came home from school one day and she said, I got in trouble today. And I said, you've never been in trouble. What do you do? And she said, I don't want to tell you. And I said, tell me. She said, I don't want to tell you. I got in trouble. I had to go out in the hall. And I said, really? Because Caitlin was born at 50. And then she started getting old real quick. And uh, she's older than me. And she brought home those real weird uh, A's. Yeah, I had never seen them before. Yeah. And she, she brought them home on everything consistently. I didn't see them either. And she got in trouble. And I said, what did you get in trouble for? And she said, I was grinning. Apparently. I said, what? She said, teacher came by and said, what's so funny? Deja vu. I was earning D's and F's to do with the same problem. I was sitting in school grinning. That was my crime. I got slapped and sent to the hall. Well, my oldest brother, he got A's. Again, foreign thing to me. And his daughter both got in trouble for grinning in school. Now they come down and say, I got in trouble. My daughter gets in trouble. What are you doing grinning? So I said, I'm going to go talk to your teacher tomorrow. She said, no, don't make it worse. I said, make it better. So then the teacher said, I don't have it. I went and knocked on the door, and she said, I don't have an appointment with you. I said, yes, you do. We can talk about it in there or out here. I'm here. It's appointed time. I appointed it. Let's go. I'm paying taxes. That's my daughter. And I, so the teacher came out in the hallway, and I said, why did you get worked up about my daughter grinning? What are you doing? What guilt do you have? You know what, something? America is not a grinning place. You're right. America is not a happy-go-lucky place anymore. No. We're not a, we're not a, we're, we're a, boy. Matter of fact, we get bulldogs to run. Uh, we beat them, too. We're uglier than that. That's right. Will you hear something? Really? I'm so ready to disbelieve you. I don't trust you. I don't trust anybody. You know what? 
The Lord put us here to be the light of the world. Can you be a light with your, with your lips touching your nose? Boy, if you could just get what I got. I found Jesus. Don't you want some of this? No, I don't want any of that. Why would they? I'd rather go to the proctologist and be with you for lunch. I don't want to do it. What? Do you? Is, is there something wrong? Is there something wrong in our country? Yeah. Is, it, is it in the church now? I'm telling you people that if you have the Holy Spirit, you know some things the world doesn't know. Amen, brother. If you, have the, if you really have the Holy Spirit, we're not, we're to be a lighthouse for those people. We're to be a place to come for sanctuary and for peace and comfort and understanding. That's who we're supposed to be. You can't do that and be venomous at the same time. Are we to hate the things that are going on? Absolutely. Stand against them? Yes. But with a, with a bulldog face? No. People should look at a Christian and say, boy, they got something I want. They've got something that I'd love to have. I don't have that peace in my life. My marriage isn't that good. I don't, I don't look forward to going home like I, like I should be looking forward to going home. It's not, it's not that I don't have that feeling anymore if I ever did, but it's worse than it was. What's going on? What's going on? There should be people asking you and me, how do I get that? I'm not ignorant of what's going on, but it's not my end. That's not going to take me anywhere. I got to die of something. What the Lord said, and we're going to look at the we're going to look at the churches and the progression of the churches, the seven churches in the Book of Revelation. He said, "I know what you're going through." He said, don't fear them. He said, I'll tell you what, they're going to come put you in. He said, don't fear those people. They're going to come put you in prison. So, so what? So what? I just want to say this to you before we move on here. The world doesn't believe us anymore. That's right. They sure don't. The, the, the world outside doesn't believe us. We haven't shown it to them. We haven't loved them. And we haven't loved each other well. And they look at us and they hear everything they hear in their unsafe friends and in their gossip sections and in their ugly corners. And they hear the same thing from church members. And they'll have a church member in a, in a group at, at work somewhere. And they'll get involved and they'll talk just like them. They don't give them hope. They agree with them. Folks, that's not our call. And so it says we're not ignorant. Paul said, no, Satan can't get advantage of us if we understand him. When I was in football, on Monday night, we, we reviewed the movie of the, the team we're going to play this current week on Friday night. We reviewed a video of the ball game they played last Friday night somewhere else. And so I remember the coach saying, you see that? You see that? You see that running back? They always hand off to the left and he always cuts right. You see how that works every time? I go, yeah, well, I see that. He said, what do you think? I said, I think he's fast. <laughs> I don't think I can catch him for anything. He darts through there and he's gone. It takes me a while to stand straight up. He said, well, we got to be 
they, it's consistent. It's a left-handed quarterback, and he always gives hands off to the left or to the right or whatever. He always steps back, and nine times out of ten, he's going to do this. You, do, do you linemen see that? Yeah, I see it. And, and he called me one time. What do you think? I said, I think he's good at that. That's going to be hard to stop. He's really good at that. He's been successful nine out of ten times there. We need to study Satan that way. You see what he does? He gets someone to doubt the Word of God. He gets them to doubt Christ. He causes doubt. Is that what it means? If you, if you enjoy my messages or not, I want to say to you, I look up the words and I bring it out and I try, to, I try to break it down for you as simply as I can because we need to understand it. We need to understand it. If you're, if you're a Christian and you think, well, I'm a Christian now. He can't affect me. He's affecting you with that thought. If you think you're a Christian and there's no Satan going to be in your home, come on, recall the conversations this week. Just be honest. Recall the thoughts that you had this week. Recall some things. Does Satan harass us? He does. And so here are his devices. We're going to go through them and then we're going to let you think about it for a week and come back to it. Here are his devices. His strategy, according, if you, this is what we're going to look at. His strategy is exposed to us by, by the Holy Spirit. And his strategy is exposed to us by the Holy Spirit, by the name given to him when he does certain things. Okay? We're going to find the same thing to be true about Jesus Christ in, in the way he presents himself to the seven churches he says, I am, and then he presents himself with characteristics, character traits. He says that because that is the, the need of that church. I am the, and whatever he, whatever he declares himself to be, it is the basic need of that church. It's what they're missing to be in the full um, power of Christ. And so here's what, he call, here's what the Holy Spirit teaches us. He's exposed by the Holy Spirit by the name he give, uh, given to him by his works. And he's called four things particularly, and there are more, but we're going we're to key on four. And the first one is the deceiver. He's called the deceiver. So the Holy Spirit is telling us he's the deceiver because what is his work there? The deception. The second one, the Holy Spirit tells us, they call him the destroyer. Not, not hard to get. The third one is the ruler. The ruler. And the fourth one is the accuser. Those are the four main things that the Holy Spirit tells his church and his children are the weapons and the strategies and the devices of Satan. He deceives, he destroys, he rules, and he accuses us. Now you remember when Satan went before the Lord in the book of Job and said some things about Job? He said, oh yeah, I've seen him. But if you pull off your blessing, if you take your hand of blessing off of him, He'll deny you to your face. And God said, is that so? Is that so? He's yours. You can't kill him. You just can't kill him. He's yours. Test him. Oh, I hope that's never a conversation for me. Amen. Oh, I hope. I've had some tests. And it's going to be the Lord telling me how I did. 
Boy, I don't want him to, I don't want him to six eight on me. That's a fearful thing. He said, oh yeah, I see him. We all by know Joe. We all by knows him. And I tell you what, uh, Lord, if, if you take your hand off of him, he'll curse you to his face. He says, all that he has is yours. Don't kill him. And the book is 44 chapters long. <clears throat> and if I admire anybody in the Bible, it's Job. I admire many. I admire the saints of God, but I admire Job. On the first day, a messenger ran in. <sighs> their kids were all together at their big brother's house having a party, and the storm came and killed them all. I lost all my kids in one, in one swoop. And while he was telling that story, another man comes in. All oh, your cattle are gone. Everything you own off that hill, your whole pasture, they're all dead. It is, it is. Everything he had was taken from him in rapid-fire succession. And it said, Job turned around, walked outside, dropped to the ground and said, why? Just tell me why. I don't know. I don't get it. Why? And then he had friends come and accuse him. You read the book and, and uh, yep. you get to the last chapter and you know what the chapter says? The Lord said, Job, your friends are wrong about me and if you pray for them, all of them live. Well, we've got to stand in the hardships. We've got to stand in the hard times. And folks, I believe there's something coming. Amen, brother. I believe there's some stuff coming here. You want to know why? Is it because God can't stop it? It's not. It's because what the church has not done and what we've become, and we have to have a judgment begin at the house of God. It's to clean up the church. It's to bless the church. It has to come. I think we're in trouble. And so he's called the deceiver, and he attacks in his in that dimension. He attacks our minds. His weapon weapons are lies, and he wants to make us ignorant of God's will. As a destroyer, he comes and he attacks our bodies, and the, the weapon there is suffering. And the destroyer wants to make us impatient with God and say, "Where is God?" and just lose our faith. As the ruler, he attacks our will. The weapon he uses is pride, and it's to make us independent of God's will. And as the accuser, he attacks our hearts and our conscience. His weapon is accusation, and it is to bring indictment against us by God's will. That is to say this, how many people I talk to you don't know my history. I'm not worthy. Can I tell you I have a history like yours? And can I tell you I'm not worthy either? Right. I'm not standing here because I'm worthy. I'm standing here because God called me and said, if you don't tell him, who's going to? If I can't get a sinful man who's saved by grace and grateful for that salvation to tell the story, who's going to tell him? If I have to wait for a perfect man, he said, I did that once, and he lasted a short time, and they wanted to kill him. You have a past, do you? Have you done some things wrong? Amen, brother. Well, how shocking. That means you're right next to your driver's license, and your credit card should be a card that says a card-carrying member of the human race. 
I have some failures in my past. I've had some times when I didn't do what I should have done and, and it caused some damage and I'm, and I'm sorry. But that doesn't make me unfit for the ministry today. You're not unfit for the ministry. Matter of fact, you'll be a more compassionate minister That's true. if you don't believe you're perfect. Absolutely. I tell you what, you find someone who thinks they're perfect, they can't minister. Because even if you're saying the words that you th should be saying, the spirit is wrong. It's, conde it's condemning and it's judgmental. I've won more people to my confidence. I'll say that. I've won more people to my confidence by after they tell me what they've done, I said, yeah, I know I've done that too. You did. You're a preacher. I said, I was born a little boy. And I grew up into a bigger boy. I turned into a man of sorts. And the Lord called me anyway. I've done the same things. You know what my whole thing is now? I'm trying to quit doing that. <laughs> I'm really trying to quit doing that. That's the case of the Lord's help. You want someone to you want someone to believe you and trust you? Meet them where they are. Sit on the river of Chibar with them in astonishment for ten days. Say, man, this is a bad situation. I know the answer. I surely do. You want, you want to hear it? His name's Jesus. That is so good. Everybody has a past. Now, some of you I know are worse than a lot of you, but some of you, everybody has a past. That's not true, is it? None of us have anything different than anybody else. None of us. If we want to compare each other, we can do that all day long, but the standard is Christ. And I stand up and I come up and I stand up and I stand at his feet. I look up and say, Whoa, I'm better at that, I'm better than that guy at these two things, but then he's better than me at those other things. But Jesus, perfect. Loved us anyway. Died for us anyway. And he's right there. If something hard to do this week, he'll go with you. He'll go with you. Isn't that wonderful? Father, we thank you for this hour. Oh, the time goes fast, but we love to talk to you and talk about you. And so we just pray that you would work with each heart that's listening today, each soul, each mind, each life. Help us not to be successful in the wrong areas, bringing us up as unsuccessful. We thank you now. As you go with us, be with us, teach us. As we go through Satan's strategies, help us to understand and comprehend and then implement those things into our lives. Lord, you've given us the power and the strength and the understanding. Help us to do it now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.